views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. a.m. My name is Angel Fall, and you're listening to Victims to Victorious on the Black Talk Radio Network. In February, because February is uh, Valentine's Day, uh, the 14th, and the whole month of February, people in the United States celebrate love, and even um, children are eating chocolate candy shaped like hearts or making um, heart-shaped projects. So it's kind of a month of celebration of love. The way I tie that in, though, into our show, Victims to Victoria, is, is to take a look at the number of women who are killed by intimate partners. The Center for Disease Control calls that IPV, intimate partner violence. And the majority of conjugal partner murders happen with a male perpetrator and a female victim. But, of course, there are same-sex homicides but the data is not as well kept. Um, I am going to do a show today called Death Do Us Part. It's number two in a series I'm doing all month because Valentine's is the day, February is the month of love. And um, the subtitle of today's show is Doe in the Crosshairs. Why? Because when people hunt, they stalk. We're going to take a look at stalking and how that influences the homicide statistics for intimate partner violence and of course if you just tuned in and you want to share your story you don't need to use your name but you can certainly uh, call us call in and let us know what uh, what has happened to you you can follow me at on air angel and um, I'm going to ask Scotty to give the phone number if he can uh, yeah, sure, in. sure. The tele- good morning, Angel, and uh, good morning to the listeners. The telephone- I guess you didn't hear me. That's okay. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's on air, Angel, and um, I'll give that phone number a little. I'm bit sorry, later. I, I, I had myself muted. That's Angel. okay. Okay, so good morning That's to you. That's okay, and, Scotty. I was and to the listeners. The telephone number seven zero four eight zero two fifty fifty six. And you hit the star key twice to signal that you would like to be a part of the conversation. So that's 704-802-5056 and hit the star key twice. Yeah, that's very important. Um, I've gotten some feedback, some text, email, etc. from people who did not hit the star button twice and failed to uh, join the conversation. So let's take a look at... Uh, 10 intriguing facts about stalking. Why is stalking important? Um, Stalking is important 
many researchers, and I'm, this is me speaking, I'm not reading the article yet. Stalking is very important because it's a predictor of violence for a lot of women. And women are stalked by former partners. Um, they are stalked by current partners who may have been removed from the house. Um, women are still stalked by men with restraining orders. Um, and of course, there's cyber stalking. We might touch on that if we have time, but we're certainly going to cover that on another show. So 10 facts about stalking come from listverse.com. Stalking is one of the most frightening crimes that can be inflicted on someone. Only those who have actually been subjected to the torture of a stalker can speak about the terror that is created by someone following their every move and abusing their privacy. Fact number 10, men and female juries perceive stalking differently. In about 74% of stalking cases, a woman is the victim. So it stands to reason that female juries would be more willing to convict male stalkers in court. In a study, two hypothetical cases were presented to male and female jurors, and the results of the study are quite telling. In the first case, the male defendant approached the female victim five times Legally, there must be at least two incidents for a situation to qualify for stalking in the, in the jurisdiction where they did the research. Both female and female, I'm sorry, both male and female jurors made mostly equal judgments. 38% of women and 40% of men chose to convict. However, there are larger, there is a larger gap between the two groups in the second case. This time, the defendant approached his victim 30 times rather than five. Only 37% of the male jurors chose to convict, but a whopping 75% of female jurors found the defendant guilty. The female jurors called fear and concern, cited fear and concern, when asked, asked which words they would use to explain their guilty verdict. But the male jurors who chose not to convict explained their decision with words like love, sex, no violence, Love sick, no violence, no harms. There are five types of stalkers, according to this article. Stalkers have many motivations, including hatred, obsession, and a desire for intimacy. According to most experts, there are five types of stalkers, all with differing behaviors and motivations. The first type is the rejected stalker, who begins to harass a victim after the unsatisfactory end of a romantic or perceived romantic relationship. A rejected stalker engages in stalking to continue to have influence over his or her victim. The second type seeks intimacy even though the victim is unaware of the stalker's feelings. The stalker believes that his or her actions will ultimately provide that intimacy with the victim. The third type is the incompetent is the incompetent stalker who is often socially awkward and tries not to approach the victim directly. Like the intimacy seeker, this person prefers stalking over actually attempting a normal relationship. The fourth type is the resentful stalker who feels that he or she has been humiliated by the victim after ending a relationship with that person. Resentful stalkers are more dangerous than the previous three types. The final type of stalker 
is the most dangerous. The predatory stalker doesn't want intimacy or romantic relationship. He or she wants power and control over the victim and will use fear and violence to instill a sense of helplessness in that person. So if you just joined us, we're about seven or eight minutes into the show. We are doing a show called Death Do Us Part. Are you a doe in um are you a doe in the crosshairs is the subtitle. I'm reading about stalkers because there is a statistical link between intimate intimate partner violence, stalkers, and female homicide rates. Stalkers do more than psychologically abuse their victims. Studies have shown that some stalkers tend to be extremely violent in many situations in comparison to most other criminals, including members of gangs and other organized crime groups. Stalkers are far more likely to commit acts of violence toward their victim. However, the odds of extreme violence by stalker, stalkers are still much lower than many believe. In most studies on violence, about 30% of criminals commit violent acts. For stalkers, it's over 50%. The number is highest for sexually intimate stalkers like ex-husbands or ex-partners. And I've been using the word conjugal partners throughout the airing of this show, and the Centers for Disease Control uses the acronym IPV for Intimate Partner Violence, and this covers and this covers everybody, whether you used to live together, whether you used to be married, whether you used to date, etc. Approximately 59% of these acts are committed by rejected stalkers who are angry about being spurned by former lovers. Predatory stalkers who want to control their victims engage in violence toward their victims about 50% of the time. These type of stalkers are not above physically and sexually assaulting former spouses, boyfriends, or girlfriends. They commonly frighten or harm their victims with actions such as banging on a car hood, choking, kicking, or lunging with weapons. With rejected stalkers, violence is often highly emotional and impulsive. Predatory stalkers are unemotional, and their violence is planned in advance to achieve the maximum level of fear. While predatory stalkers deliberately commit horrible acts against their victims, many stalkers do not perceive themselves as having their objects of affection. And if you're in the audience and you're paying attention, notice the number of men who felt that 30 times of contact by the spurned lover was not actually excessive. It's a perception. One stalker even wrote an extensive post on his blog about his motivations and actions. The post goes into detail about why he chose his victim and why he was obsessed with her. Then he tries to get sympathy by portraying himself as a victim of love. This post was written by a man named Richard Britton, and it's entitled The Benevolent Stalker. He compares his unrequited love to that of Romeo and Juliet and goes on to claim that modern society drools over depictions of this intense obsessional love, but only when it is mutual. Um, this article, like I said, it has 10 facts about stalking. Stalking is poorly portrayed in the media, it asserts. Stalking harms every part of a victim's life. Stalkers can be treated is another one of the facts that they want to bring out. Um, stalkers, when stalkers are finally caught and punished, it's often with jail, jail time instead of rehabilitation. And there was a forensic psychiatrist named Frank Farnham who has started treating dangerous stalkers, although he admits that 
they have committed despicable acts, he says that the key to treating stalkers is to refrain from judging them. Many stalkers appear to be grandiose and narcissistic, but that is nothing more than a cover-up for low self-esteem. Low self-esteem. The article mentions uh, celebrity stalking, and stalking is vastly underreported, and law enforcement is often ineffective. Again, most law enforcement uh, people are male. And remember about the psychology and the perception of the male jurors. No doubt at least some of the policemen have that. And, of course, many of us know that policemen are often the ones who stalk prior partners and victims. Um, and their victims don't, don't get hurt, especially if the policeman is stalking her in the jurisdiction where he works. His buddies are like to discount her story, or he gets ahead of them and says, you know, she's she's stalking them. Um, read, a, read a little bit more from this article. For most stalkers, this is as far as they will go to control their victim. But some cases of cyber stalking can be lethal. After optometrist David Masterwhite and his wife Laura Bedford divorced, Masterwhite began to send her threatening messages, following her. He posted slanderous messages about her on social media and publicly accused her of sexually abusing her children. None of this was true, and it took a huge toll on Bedford. Apparently, Mashawit's entire family was involved in the smear campaign. And in 2013, Mashawit's father gunned down Bedford while she was walking to the courthouse for a child support hearing. He then committed suicide at the scene. However, David Moshevitz, his mother, and his sister were all tried later as part of the murder plot. In 2015, they were all convicted in the first cyber-stalking case that ended in the murder of a victim. Their convictions may result in life sentences. So that's a case that helped change, change the law and the perception, but we still have a ways to go. It's about quarter after 11. My name is Angel Fall. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Victims to Victorious. And I also, I should have begun with a definition of stalking. The title of today's show was Death to Us Part, Are You a Doe in the Crosshairs? And if you wish to share a story about you or a loved one, you can call in. We are broadcasting live on the Black Talk Radio Network. While legal definitions of stalking vary from one jurisdiction to another, a good working definition of stalking is a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel to feel fear. And that comes from inspiredadifference.com. Stalking, this is a list now of who's victimized by stalking. Um in the previous article, that article made a link between cyber-stalking and murder. And here are just some of the general st- stalking statistics. And with the doctor, um, the wife was gunned down. So remember, most female homicide victims are killed by former intimate, former intimate partners. Most female victims are killed by gunshot wounds in the United States. Six million people are stalked in one year in the United States. One in six women and one in 19 men have experienced stalking victimization at some point during their lifetime in which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed. 
using a less conservative definition of stalking, which considers any amount of fear, little fearful, somewhat fearful, very fearful. That's how you take a survey. You give gradients of a feeling, a perception, a description, and then you collect the data to determine which ones popped out the most or which ones people checked the most. One in four women and one in 13 men report being a victim of stalking in their lifetime. So when they uh, loosen the definition, more people are um, admitting to this uh, social social victimization. The majority of stalking victims are, stalk, are stalking by someone they know. 66% of female victims and 41% of male victims of stalking are stalked by a current or former intimate partner. More than half of female victims and more than one-third of male victims of stalking indicated that they were stalked before the age of 25. And, of course, this takes in social media. About one in five victims and one in 14 male victims experienced stalking between the ages of 11 and 17. Repeatedly receiving unwanted phone calls, voice messages, text messages was the most common experience stalking tactic for both female and male victims of stalking. 11% of stalking victims have been stalked for five years or more. That's amazing. 46% of stalking victims experience at least one unwanted contact per week. One in four victims report being stalked through the use of some form of technology. We mentioned that. 10% of victims report being monitored with global positioning systems, GPS, and 8% report being monitored through video or digital cameras or listening devices. But here's what I would say. If you are a woman and you're listening, if you have an iPhone, for instance, um, you can, I don't, well, both iPhone and Android, you can turn off the ability to be located in the settings. That's very important. Now, if you're posting pictures on Facebook, for instance, from your phone, make sure if you believe you would be stalked or or if you are just going to be a little bit, bit safer and uh, wiser about using social media, you can actually make it so that the location tags don't show up in the pictures automatically when you use when you use your cell phone. If you are uploading the pictures to Facebook and it asks you to tag them for location, you can decline that, for instance. So those are just some of the ways that the technology can be used. And um, I think in the future, in the future, we'll do a little bit more specifically about the cyber stalking. It's 11.20 a.m., and if you've just joined us, you're listening to Victims to Victorious on the Black Talk Radio Network. I am Angel Fall, and the title of today's show is called Death to Us Part, and Are You a Doe in the Headlight? So let's determine if you are, in fact, being stalked, sometimes you might not know it. Sometimes you might take a man's attention, if you're a woman, his attention to you um, as being flattering. That is personal. He's different from another boyfriend or husband that you have. You might decide that you deserve the way that he's treating you. For one thing, many stalkers will shower you with unwanted gifts very early in the relationship. And this is me talking. 
they might say something to you like, oh, I know it's not your birthday, but I got you this. And you might think this is very flattering, um, but you'll see why in a minute why it raises a red flag. This article is from womensaid.org.uk. Now, I know we have an international listening base, and um, listeners should know that the British have been keeping paper and pencil records about healthcare and trends for a very, very long time. And because their health system, their health delivery system is universal, um, there's some interesting, there's some interesting data that they have gathered. So in this article comes from womensaid.org.uk and it lets you identify yourself as a stalking victim. Stalking involves a person who becomes fixated or obsessed with another. Stalking is a pattern of persistent and unwanted attention that makes you feel pestered, scared, anxious, or harassed. Some examples of stalking are regularly giving unwanted gifts, making unwanted communication, damaging property, repeatedly following you or spying on you, and threats. Taken in isolation, some of the behaviors may seem like small acts, but together they make up a consistent pattern of behavior that is frightening and upsetting. It's important to know that stalking is a criminal offense, and because of this, you go to the police. If you go to the police, they will take it seriously. So that's what the British people say. Of course, um, many victims in the United States have a different uh, experience with the police. Um, here are these are helpful advices, pieces of advice. Trust yourself and your instincts. Report it as early as possible to the police. Tell others what is happening. Um, Keep, advice, uh, keep evidence of what's happening and also try writing a diary. Again, the evidence piece that you can keep, you can create a screenshot of text messages, for instance. You can even keep on iPhone, you can even take, uh, have a screenshot about, uh, you can even do a screenshot of the last phone call or the phone calls. You can do that. If you are not able or you to do that on your phone, of course, you can go to the police yourself uh, and get, not the police yourself, you can go to the phone company yourself and get and get records of this. Another thing I have suggested on the air before is if you get messages on your phone from a stalker, um, you can screenshot that and then email it to yourself. And then when the law enforcement asks you about evidence, you email that, make sure that everything has some type of time stamp on it. Now, the um, people who are listening to Are You a Victim of a Stalker are remembering things that I mentioned before, that, that for instance, if a, a gun is in a home in the domestic violence case, women are 500 times as likely to become a victim of a gunshot wound. So in this particular uh, piece of the show, we looked at how you can identify a stalker. He's giving you gifts that you don't want. He's following you. He's sending you messages that you don't, that you did not ask for. Um, in the very beginning of the show, they did an experiment with a man who made 30 contacts with a woman, and 75% of all the women who saw it convicted 
but 38% of the men who saw it did not. So this article is from mdedge.com, and it is um, a cycle. It's called the magazine. I'm sorry, shouldn't call the magazine. The journal is called Current Psychiatry. So here are some things that they suggest to do if you are a stalking victim. And the whole point of today's show, Death Do Us Part, Are You a Doe in the Crosshairs, is to keep you or women you know from becoming a homicide victim. And most of the time in the United States of America, that means the female victim will die from gunshot wounds. And that that is part of the theme of today's show. So we talked about the five types of stalkers. Now we're going to talk about a couple of strategies that you can do to keep yourself, um, once you realize that you're a victim. So a patient, a colleague, or perhaps you have been stalked. The chances of a woman being stalked are an estimated one in 14, uh, according to this article. Notice that the male data is skewed. For men, this article says one in 50. It comes from mdedge.com. Stalking may develop, uh, if you're stalked, you may develop anxiety, depression, or post-traumatic Stress Disorder, PTSD. Historical, clinical, and behavior factors increase a stalker's risk for committing violence. And remember, com- commissions of past violence are indicators of com- uh, commission of future violence. As a psychiatrist, this article is written for psychiatrists and other mental health professionals, but please just hang in there with me and listen. As a psychiatrist, you may be asked to consult with local law enforcement and stalking victims to assess and manage a victim's risk. To best protect them, be aware. There are five types of stalkers. We talked about that. Um, I'm just going to review them quickly. Ex-intimate partner is what they call a historic historic stalker in this article. Um, He will present with narcissism and entitlement. We mentioned that. And one of the things a psychiatrist writing this article wants to admonish people about is does he have access to weapons and does he have proximity to the victim? The risk factors of homicide or serious physical harm, these are indicators. Previous visits to victim's home, previous violence during stalking, threats to harm victims' children, placing notes on victims' cars, I would also interject here, uh, some of the stalkers threaten your pets, for instance, or threaten other relatives. The article then goes through the, the five different types that we mentioned earlier. Intimacy, seating, uh, incompetent stalkers, for instance, resentful stalkers. And then once you're able to identify the stalkers, then there are some suggestions for managing a victim's risk. So that's the word, again, this is the healthcare prevention lingo, managing risk. We mentioned that every time we mention gun violence, we talk about managing victims' risk. So one of the ways victims can manage their risk is to get rid of proximity to the stalker. How close can he come to you? Get rid of behaviors that encourage the stalker, for instance, and notify others of his behavior. Make people aware. Those are some of the things that you can do. Of course, we know that 
Many women are killed after, we spoke about that last week, after law enforcement is involved, the narcissistic person with entitlement over you feels even more threatened and less powerless, and that increases that victim's um, violent behavior towards you a lot of times. So we're talking about um, women who are stalked. The title of today's show is Death Do Us Part. This is part two in a series that we're doing for the month of February. And we have a commercial, we have a, sorry, we have a station ID to do in about a minute. My name is Angel Fall. You can follow me on Twitter, On Air Angel. And we will be back on the other side of the station identification. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. It is 11.31. You can call in to Victims to Victoria, 704-802-5056. We have less than 30 minutes to go. The title of today's show is Death Do Us Part. The subtitle is Are You a Doe in the Crosshairs? And of course, I'm making a hunting reference to um, animals that are that the Native Americans hunted with uh, bow and arrow and later with guns and a doe if you don't know is the name of a female deer a buck is the name of a male deer so are you a victim have you been a victim and um, how can you keep yourself from being victimized so um, here, here are some more statistics from the Centers for Disease Control now we always mention the Centers for Disease Control and victims to victorious because they have a posture that says violence in America is a public health issue. So one of the violent uh, one of the violent consequences of stalking, of course, is homicide. And 75 to 80 percent of the time, the victim is an adult female or a teenage female who has had a conjugal or sexual relationship. With a past, uh, with a past partner, and of course we've been talking about the gradients of stalking, uh, people who, all the way to people who don't even really know you. So um, 
The National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey reports that about 1 in 6 women and 1 in 17 men have been stalked at some point in their life. Notice the statistics are slightly different from all these articles. While most women and men first experience being stalked as adults, approximately 21% of female victims and 13% of male victims reported being stalked as minors. Previous article we said said the ages were as young as 11. We're reading from the cdc.gov slash violence prevention slash intimate partner violence. Um, nearly 54% of female victims and 41% of male victims experienced stalking before the age of 25. And before the station ID, we listened to some of the indicators that you were being stalked. Um, what are the consequences of being stalked, the article asked. Men and women who are stalked felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed as a result. About 68% of female and 70% of male victims experienced threats of physical harm during their lifetime. Approximately half of victims, 51% of male victims and 52% of female victims experienced damage to personal property or belongings. Studies have shown that stalking can lead to psychological distress, and we mentioned that earlier, PTSD, et cetera, depression. How can we stop talking, stalking before it starts? I want to focus a little bit more about that. It's important for everyone to work together and to understand, uh, work together to end stalking. NISVS findings highlight the importance of early prevention and support efforts, which can include empowering everyone to understand, recognize, and address stalking, mobilizing men and women as allies in prevention efforts, creating and supporting safe environments within relationships, schools and communities through programs and policies that reduce risk and pr promote healthy relationships. Notice the language reduce risk. Throughout the throughout this series on victim throughout the entire show, Victims to Victorious, I have been focusing on how you reduce how you reduce access to guns how you reduce the risk that someone will use a gun in a certain way. So here we're talking about behaviors also that lead to gun violence where the victims are almost exclusively female. And we'll give this information uh, later on in the show as well. But if you just tuned in and you have a question about being victimized by stalking, there are a couple of, a couple of 800 numbers you can call. Victim Connect. One eight five five four eight four two eight four six. One eight five five four eight four two eight four six. You can also call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. One eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. They also have a TTY line. One eight hundred seven eight seven three two four. I'm sorry, seven eight seven three two two four. So if you are listening and you need help or you need to help someone call in because you believe he or she is a victim of stalking, write down those numbers again. You can also call into the show, 1-704-802-5056. So let's unpack a little bit of um, when they say, how can, how can we stop talking before it's, how can we stop 
stalking with a tongue twister before it starts. One of the suggestions is mobilizing men and boys as allies in prevention effort. Remember, if you tuned in at the top of the show, men were less likely to convict other men of stalking because they didn't see their behaviors as harmful. So this is a way, and there have been programs around sexual violence. There are, there are communities, especially around college campuses these days, where men attend a, a group where they learn about not just no means no, but their behaviors that could be translated or morphed into these other behaviors. So when men are allies in prevention efforts, it means that men have to understand when they could be committing these behaviors. Are you giving a woman gifts that she doesn't want? Are you sending her too many texts? Are you showing up at her job? Are you showing up um, in places where she has not invited you? Do you feel rejected uh, by her uh, once you realize that she doesn't want her? Want you, how are you handling um, how are you handling that rejection? Those are um, those are some of the uh, some of the behaviors. I'm going to re- I'm going to review them again. Stalking tactics can include making unwanted phone calls, sending unwanted emails, instant messages, text messages, voice messages, or social media messages, approaching a victim or showing up unwanted at such places as a victim's home, workplace, or school. I mentioned that. Um, leaving strange or potentially threatening items for a victim to find. Um, if those of you who are old enough remember that movie, Fatal Attraction, and she, um, Glenn Close put the child, the rabbit, in a pot because she was obsessed with Michael Douglas. That would have been an example. Leaving strange or potentially threatening items for the victim to find. In that case, of course, the bunny does die in the hot water. Watching, following, or tracking a victim. Sneaking into the victim's home or car and doing things to scare the victim or let them know the perpetrator had been there. We've all seen movies where they show that. Technology has made communicating with others easier than ever, but those advances have also created more options and choices to threaten and harass victims. Most victims are commonly stalked by someone they know, such as an intimate partner or acquaintance. So those are some, that's some of the um, information from the Centers for Disease Control. And they believe that stalking is part of the epidemic of violence, a subset of the epidemic of gun violence and domestic abuse. And if you are someone who is listening to the show because you want to organize and help prevent these things in your community, you're welcome to call in, 704-802-5056. Please follow me on Twitter uh, at On Air Angel. And many of these uh, places that I'm mentioning that do the research also have Twitter accounts. So stalking, um, stalking and homicide are definitely related. Domestic violence and stalking are definitely related. In this particular show, um, we're taking a look at the stalking behaviors. I do want to revisit some of the domestic violence behaviors simply because many of the stalkers have been 
ex-live-in partners and have been former boyfriends because not all stalkers are strangers. And then women may not process uh, may not process somebody as a stalker at first because some of the behaviors seem to be flattering, okay? Um, if you're trying to get research information yourself, I'm going to give you a little bit, uh, let me give you some of the sources. There's the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey. There is a website that addresses stalking victimization in the United States. Um, there's also Stalking an Intimate Partner Femicide, Research on Partner Stalking, Putting the Pieces Together. Some of the, some of the themes in public health are, do people know that this is a trend? Have people accepted this as a trend? Do people want to stop this as a trend? Is this, is this particular part of the societal pathogen, is it preventable? Those are the questions that public health people ask themselves, and they try to use a variety of tools to solve this. Now, right now I'm going to read from an article called Partner Femicide, and we often use the word homicide. Homicide means we use homicide um, because the etymology of English includes Latin and Greek, but we use the term, like homicide, uh, the television shows that mention that, to, to explain or to, to give a label to all victims. But researchers who use the word femicide want to separate out female victims because the pattern of how they get killed is different. If you've been following victims to Victorious, you know already and you've heard me say hundreds of times, white men are most likely to use a gun on themselves and part of the time it is a long gun. African-American men are most likely to be killed by a friend or acquaintance, acquaintance or relative, and they are most likely to have been killed by a handgun. So these trends are measurable. So let's take a look at this article. If you're following me online, you can go to victimsofcrime.org. Um, if you can't find the article, I do take direct messages on Twitter. Uh, direct message me on Air Angel. We have about a little more than 15 minutes to go. You're welcome to call in. You're also welcome to listen to the podcast when it's uploaded to the Black Talk Radio Network and leave, and leave a comment. So this article is called Stalking an Intimate Partner Femicide. And it takes a look at the relationship between um, domestic violence, who, the, who, who commits the crimes, who are victimized. Women are more likely to women are more likely than men to be murdered by intimate partners. We already know that. Um, at least fifty percent of all intimate partner victims are in fact female. Partner femicides are frequently preceded by domestic violence and may involve the woman's recent separation from this relationship. Over the past two decades, women account for an increasingly greater proportion of persons killed by an intimate partner. Again, I'm just rehashing some of this so that we can understand that there is a pattern and the pattern can be interrupted. And that is called the intervention 
And when you do it enough, you are preventing, and you can even predict the fact that you can reduce the morbidity and mortality in this population. However, that's me speaking. However, the number of white females murdered by a non-marital intimate have shown an increase an increase in fatalities. And I like their language here, non-marital intimate, because for many, many years, courts were just recognizing legal spouses. But now, because so many people live together, and because of the Internet, more and more courts are interpreting the law to cover dating relationships, etc. The other thing I would also say about that is when you know a person who says to you, oh, I just met Bob and we went on a date and Bob bought, he brought me a gift at the date. Or she says, oh, we, I just met Bob and he's texted me 50 times. I want you as a friend to know that this is not, that Bob's idiosyncrasy, Bob's quirkiness at this point should set off a red flag. This means that when your friend decides she doesn't want to be bothered with Bob, he might fall into one of the five categories of a sucker. He might very well be a rejected one. The violence increases with the level of intimacy, and that would be called a direct relationship um, for people who understand research. Some the stalkers who don't need to have an uh, intimate relationship with you are people who are actually burglars, peeking toms, who may be interested in a sexual assault. If you remember the uh, famous serial killer and rapist Ted Bundy, in the movie where Mark Harmon actually plays him, if I'm not mistaken, we see that one of the places he likes to stalk women is the dormitory. He likes to be outside. He likes to get in the dormitory. He likes he stalks these women. In Ted Bundy's case, of course, he's executed for killing uh, uh, a woman in Florida. So uh, a survey was used to collect data for this particular article on femicide. And the sample consists of 208 women, 141 who had been killed by their intimate partner, and 65 who survived an attempt on their life by their intimate partner. Demographic variables for femicide and attempted female homicide victims with a statistical significant level and degrees of freedom. What does that mean? That they really, that their data found uh, very serious, measurable trends that could be duplicated by other researchers. Sixty, I'm sorry, 76% of femicide and 85% of attempted femicide respondents reported at least one episode of stalking within the 12 months of the violence incident. I want to say that again. That pulls it all together. 76% of femicide and 85% of attempted femicide respondents reported at least one episode of stalking within 12 months of the violent incident. To determine the extent of stalking experience, the number of stalking behaviors was calculated for each woman. The number of stalking behaviors reported ranged from 1 to 15 for femicide victims. This particular article, they also break things down by race. So 38% of the African-American women, and I'm, I'm unclear as to how they got, how they surveyed 
well, maybe they surveyed these women and then these women were killed later. I, I need to reconcile that myself. But anyway, African-American women who were uh, were 38% were victims of femicide, 38% within the context of the domestic violence and the stalking. 52% of the women who took the survey said that 52% of the African-American women said there was an attempted an attempt on their life. 31%, uh, let's go back to the attempted, 23% of white said there was an attempt on their life. Latina women reported 20% of an attempted femicide on their life. There was also a correlation between, um, there was also a correlation between current partner and ex-partner. So for all the women surveyed across all the races in this article, which is on which is on the website victimsofcrime.org, 64% who were killed were killed by a current partner, 36% were killed by an ex-partner. And I'm looking at the table, and I've mentioned to you before, when you go to the academic research, <coughs> you need to understand this word statistical significance or statistical insignificance which they mentioned in the article. I'm going to explain it again. Again, the current partner who committed the homicide against the current partner data, the ex-partner who committed the homicide against the, the woman, and the attempted femicide are statistically insignificant. So that means it varies by less than 5%. So of the women who were killed or attempted to be killed, 64% were killed by a current partner, and 66% in this survey were killed or by a, uh, I'm sorry, 64% were killed by a current partner, and 66% of them experienced a, an attempted homicide by that same partner. Remember, in looking at gun violence and violence in general, Past violence is a predictor of personal, uh, of future violence. When asked if the intimate par perpetrator had physically abused a woman within the year prior to the violent incident, 67% of the female, of the femicide informants, and 71% of the attempted femicide victims said yes. And of course, this is very consistent with public health already knows, which psychiatrists, psychologists, mental health people already know. If he has attempted to choke you, if he has attempted to smother you, if he has pushed you down the steps, kicked you, slapped you in the face, caused you injuries that ended up in the hospital, this particular man is more likely to kill you. So, and this is in the context of these men are also stalking them because they've been removed from the home the relationship is ended, etc. Among, I'm returning to the article, we have about eight minutes to go, 704-802-5056. Join us live. You can also listen to the archive show and other archive shows and leave a comment. Uh, my name is Angel Fall, and you're listening to Victims to Victorious. The title of today's show is a series, it's part two of a series, Until Death Do Us Part. And the subtitle of today's show is, Are You a Doe in the Crosshairs? And we're talking about women who have been does in the crosshairs, and they have ha survived. Some have survived the um, violent incident, and some have not. 
And this article is giving you the data on that. So among femicide informants reporting yes to physical abuse by the perpetrator, 89% also reported stalking. 89% also reported stalking. So in other words, this, this male perpetrator has you in the crosshairs. He's terrorizing you. He's destroying your property. He's making you feel unsafe. You're getting depressed. Therefore, if a, returning to the article, therefore, if a, fem, a femicide victim was physically abused prior to the murder, she was far more likely to also have been stalked. Among attempted femicide victims, a significant relationship between physical abuse and stalking also existed. Approximately 91% of the attempted femicide victims, remember they're using this word instead of homicide because the victim is female, 91% of the attempted femicide victims reported, who reported abuse within the year prior to the incident also reported stalking compared to 68% of the non-abused women reporting stalking. That's a difference of 13%. So here is a more detailed letter, I'm sorry, a more detailed description of all the behaviors. We have touched on some of them, but I want to throw them all out here in the six minutes that we have left. Percentage of femicide, the table's called percentage of femicide and attempted femicide victims experienced stalking within 12 months of the lethal, which means deadly, he killed her, or the near-lethal event she survived. Here is a list of the behaviors. Sent unwanted letters. This article was written without, uh, this article was written before social media was so popular. They did not measure social media in this article. Sent unwanted letters. Followed or spied. Unwanted phone calls. Waited, out ho- waited outside house, school, or work. Left threatening messages on the phone communicated in other ways against her will, destroyed vandalized property, frightened with a weapon, threatened to harm kids if victim left, threatened to kill self if victim left. This is a fantastic list. It gets to show you how they manipulate fear. They manipulate your love. They manipulate your family members. Threatened to take kids if victim left. Frightened victim's family left threatening notes on victim's car, threatened to report drug use, threatened to report to authorities, threatened to leave victims, tried to get victim fired from job, hurt a pet on purpose. I mentioned pets a little bit earlier. Former intimate partners were more likely than current intimate partners to stalk both femicide and attempted femicide women. 69 victims. 69% 69% of the femicide victims in current relationships restored, reported stalking by the perpetrator compared to 88% of femicide victims reporting the relationship had ended. Among attempted femicide victims, 63% of the women in current relationships reported stalking compared to 68% in ended relationships. Why is that important? It goes up by 5% when the relationship has ended. And we mentioned what type of stalker that would be. One of the names would be the rejected stalker. 54% of the femicides and 46% of the attempted femicide 
respondents answered affirmatively. The most common reporting agency for both groups of women was the police. Although none of these differences were found to be statistically significant, remember I told you, researchers use that to mean plus or minus 5%. They demonstrate further that the relatively high level, the relatively high level of stalking among both groups. And of course, the stalking goes up in the rejected, for the, the man who, who we described as the rejected stalker because the relationship has ended. The study found that 76% of femicide and 85% of attempted femicide victims had experienced stalking within 12 months of their actual or attempted murder. The most frequent type of stalking reported was following or spying, followed by surveillance by the perpetrator from a parked car outside a woman's house or work site. Neither type nor extent of stalking significantly differ by femicide or, or attempted femicide group. In other words, the way that they stalk you, um, you can't predict how they're going to kill you. When asked about physical abuse during the same time period as the, reporters, as the reported stalking, femicide victims were more, far more likely to have been stalked if they reported abuse. We mentioned that a while back. Um, this is um, part of the reason why weapons are removed from these homes. Although in the same direction, the stalking and physical abuse relationship was not as strong for attempted femicide victims, this study did not assess that stalking preceded or following, followed the abuse. So that was a little bit hard for them to um, separate out. So the uh, title of today's show is uh, Death to Us Part. The subtitle is Are You... Um, the subtitle is Are You a Doe in the um, Crosshairs? Meaning, are you being hunted or stalked by someone who wants power and control over you? I want to thank you for listening to Victims to Victorious. Um, this is part two. You can go back to the Black Talk Radio Network and look at Death Do Us Part, part One that we recorded last week and, week and aired last week on the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, follow me on Twitter, On Air Angel. And uh, I want to thank my sound engineer, Scotty Reed, for providing the Black Talk Radio Network. We discuss issues that are extremely important for America and especially important to the African-American population. I'll see you next week with Part 3. I'm Angel Fall, and you're listening to Victims to Victorious.